Hello, and welcome to Decarbonize, the clean energy podcast from Fresh Energy. Fresh Energy is a Minnesota nonprofit working to speed our state's transition to a clean energy economy. My name is Joe Olson. I do communications here at Fresh Energy, and I'm joined today by a few folks from the team. Welcome to Michael Noble, Fresh Energy's Executive Director, Justin Fay, Lead Director of Public Affairs, and Anna Johnson, Senior Associate of Public Affairs. Hello to the three of you. Hey, Joe. Hi there. Hi, Hi Joe. Joe. Thanks for joining. So we're here today because we are in the final month of the 2021 session of the Minnesota Legislature, and there is a lot happening for clean energy, not to mention federal movement around the White House's American Jobs Plan. But before we start talking about clean energy, I want us first to talk about other priorities for the Minnesota legislature. Michael, can you take this? Well, Joe, first things first, uh, fresh energy really strongly encourages the legislature to take immediate action to address the systemic, structural, and institutional racism of our systems, uh, policing and justice, public safety. This is a completely unfinished business and there's obviously a pressing need uh, as evidenced by the most recent death of Dante Wright in Brooklyn Center. Uh, no person should ever fear for their lives when I'm being stopped for a traffic stop or any interaction with police. So these kinds of uh, events that traumatize our community and tra traumatize our black and brown colleagues, uh, these absolutely cannot continue. And there is pending legislation that would um, take meaningful action. So um, we want the, the House and the Senate to cooperate and make meaningful um, progress on this immediately. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I think that's it's really important to note right off the bat. Um, I'll also add that Fresh Energy is actively working at the legislature to ensure clean energy can play a role in community recover, which I think, recovery, excuse me, which I think we'll be uh, talking about a little bit further along in the podcast. Yes, thank you both. So I think it's really important to recognize that before we talk about anything else. So thanks for taking a moment there. Um, now, to circle back, our plan is to take the next 45 minutes or so to discuss how Fresh Energy is working collaboratively across political boundaries to find common ground on clean energy. At the end of this podcast, we'll also dig into a few of the features of the American Jobs Plan that we're especially excited about. Um, but now, I believe that there are several meaningful steps that we believe legislators can take yet this session. So first off, let's talk about the Energy Conservation and Optimization Act, also known, thank goodness, as the ECO Act, much easier to say. Justin, do you want to kick us off here? I'd love to, Joe. Uh, and, and we uh, have some exciting breaking news as of the recording of this podcast on, uh, on the ECO Act. Um, I, think, I think folks uh, listening and uh, I want to add my welcome to all of the Fresh Energy supporters listening to this. Uh, it's uh, great to have such a wonderful community of folks uh, engaged on, on these really critical issues. And um, those of you that have been following Fresh Energy for a long time know that energy efficiency is a, a longtime priority of Fresh Energy. Um, you know, the cheapest the cheapest energy there is is the energy we never use, and that um, uh, is in, is encapsulated at the state by uh, our landmark conservation improvement program. Um, which is our uh, Minnesota's energy efficiency law. And for the last couple of years, uh, Fresh Energy has been part of a coalition along with our uh, friends at the Center for Energy and Environment, um, 
every major utility in the state of Minnesota, all of our investor owned utilities and the associations representing rural electric co-ops and municipal utilities, uh, a number of clean energy businesses uh, and other business community leaders uh, and other clean energy and environmental organizations that are all working together um, on a piece of legislation called the Energy Conservation and Optimization Act or ECO Act, as you said, Joe. And uh, we had a, a two significant steps uh, just this past week uh, on uh, uh, April 12th, um, the Minnesota House passed the ECO Act off the floor. Um, it was the first floor action of the session on that bill. And we were really pleased to see that, that step forward and uh, really encouraged by the strong bipartisan vote. Uh, 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 12 Republicans and every Democrat voting together to um, send a signal that, yeah, we need to uh, follow where the market is going and where industry is leading and uh, have a regulatory framework for efficiency that matches. Um, and uh, uh, just uh, on Wednesday, um, or this that would be the 14th of April, uh, the um, Minnesota Senate um, had a, a, a debate over ECO in the uh, context of its uh, omnibus uh, energy bill, which was on the floor. Um, they did not vote on the ECO Act yet, uh, but Majority Leader Gazalka did commit uh, in public on the floor of the Minnesota Senate uh, that there would be a vote in the Senate on the ECO Act in 2021 and that he thought it would pass. Um, so that was a really, really big uh, step forward. We're encouraged to see that and uh, hope the Senate uh, will join the House in taking that action. And um, in addition to moving us forward on efficiency, really send the signal that um, you know, collaborative stakeholder work uh, involving sectors like the utility, utilities and business and uh, nonprofit advocates working together um, is valued and appreciated and will result in, in steps forward. And um, my, Michael, it, it really is a, a, a critical policy and um, something that I know you've personally been involved in uh, quite a bit the last couple of years. You want to uh, uh, maybe catch our folks up and just uh, remind them why this bill is so important? Sure, Justin. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, utility energy conservation and um, energy efficiency investment programs is near and dear to Fresh Energy's heart because uh, we worked on this policy 30 years ago when it was first enacted in 1991. And believe it or not, in 30 years, it only had one major policy update up, uh, you know, bringing it up modern in 2007. And now in 2021, we expect it to be modernized again. Uh, you know, the basic logic is, 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 is the same, is that when utilities invest in, in energy conservation, that's good for consumers, it's good for the utility, it's good for the grid, it's good for the environment, it's good for businesses, it's good for families. Uh, as you said earlier, the cheapest energy is the energy we never have to purchase. But this ECO Act, when I say modernizes, it's gonna let utilities save energy elsewhere in the economy. Let the utilities save energy over in transportation or let the, let the gas utility save energy uh, in the electric grid or let the electric utility save energy over in the gas grid. So we're basically saying all hands on deck, there's energy to be saved everywhere you turn. Uh, my favorite example, and I gave this back in 1995, is the lowly exit lamp used to have two 40 watt light bulbs. And we advocated in 1990 that it should have two 15 watt um, complex fluorescence but today it has two one watt LEDs. So there's over a 95% reduction in the energy use in exit lamps. And nobody is complaining that exit lamps ain't what they used to be. So um, I think it's a pretty good example that uh, 
There's energy efficiency savings everywhere in the economy. And this bill unleashes our utilities. Go find them. I like that anecdote a lot. I haven't heard that one before, and I will definitely be using it. Thank you both. It sounds like there is just so much to be excited about in the ECO Act. Uh, so let's move on to another bipartisan initiative, the Natural Gas Innovation Act. Now, I think it's easy to say that this is like a really complicated piece of legislation. Justin, can you give us a really high level primer to get us started on the conversation? Sure, uh, I, I will do my best. It is a, it is a, a, a really complex and, uh, uh, but important piece of legislation. And I think uh, the name of it might raise some questions right off the bat, right? Like why, why would a group like Fresh Energy be working on something that's called the Natural Gas Innovation Act? It seems a little bit off brand, right? Um, the reality is, um, you know, the the uh, what study studies have consistently shown, including most recently, the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency's um, uh, annual greenhouse gas inventory, that the building sector, um, and in particular residential buildings and smaller commercial buildings, is the fastest growing source of greenhouse gas emissions in Minnesota. In Minnesota, period. Full stop. And left unchecked, that has the potential to undermine all of the progress we're making in other sectors. You know, we're driving down emissions successfully and have been for years in the electricity sector, but it doesn't mean anything if those that that the carbon, uh, the net carbon emissions just keep increasing somewhere else. Um, and so we have got to bend the curve, and we've got to do it urgently and, and immediately. And that means really digging in and having hard conversations about what does it mean to decarbonize a gas utility. And uh, I, you know, I want to give uh, the folks at Centerpoint Energy some credit. Um, they are uh, moving a piece of legislation that takes some first steps in that direction. And uh, it's important that those of us who are so committed to um, taking meaningful climate action um, uh, uh, in, engage with that conversation and, and try to make sure that we take some successful first steps, um, demonstrate that we can uh, do this, that we do have strategies that work um, for meeting end uses and ways that are less carbon intensive. And um, it's a really unique opportunity uh, that we think uh, we, we, it would be a mistake to miss. And um, the, uh, the you know, branding of the bill aside, what it actually does is it creates a regulatory framework for um, uh, state regulators and utilities and other stakeholders to um, explore what is the decision-making process going to be for alternative resources to fossil gas. Um, and one, one example of that that's gotten a lot of airplay and a lot of attention um, in this bill and elsewhere is renewable natural gas, which we think has some potential and some limitations as a, as a fuel source. Um, but it also includes electrification and efficiency. And Michael just gave a full-throated articulation of why efficiency is so important. This is another place where, it, where that pops up. And um, having uh, robust tools in the toolbox for the Minnesota Public Utilities Commission, for our gas utilities, and for organizations like Fresh Energy, uh, and other stakeholders like the business community to be able to deploy and access and use and plan for um, is, uh, is, a, is a game changer. And that's, what, that's the opportunity here. Um, we're really excited about uh, what the long-term potential is. Um, the, you know, I think the, uh, the, the Natural Gas Innovation Act is 
Um, not as far along in the process as the bill we were just talking about, the ECO Act, but it is, uh, has passed out of its committees in both the House and the Senate. Um, it is similar, uh, but different between the two bodies. And one, uh, uh, one uh, I think long-term, one, one goal that we have or important perspective that we think needs to be included in a final bill um, is a really long-term perspective and framework for uh, not just how are we gonna start, but how are we gonna think about gas utility decarbonization um, over years and decades, not just um, in the next few months at the commission. Um, and so I, Anna, I don't know if you wanna talk a little bit about um, uh, sort of how that's showing up in the bill. Uh, yeah, be interested. that sounds great. Yeah, thanks Justin. I think that was a, that was a great kind of description of, of, where, of what the bill is and where we're at and why it's needed. Um, and something I'm really excited about that's specifically in the bill is uh, that it directs the Public Utilities Commission to open a docket. So a, a formal on the record conversation about what is the future of a fossil gas utility in a decarbonized world. And this is a great opportunity um, for, yeah, like you said, regulators, stakeholders, utilities to weigh in and think through the first steps pretty much of, of where we're gonna go um, down the line because we know where we need to go. So um, thinking through how this is gonna get there in a public forum um, where, yeah, the public will be invited. So I've, I'm pretty excited about that. And that's something that Fresh Energy has been thinking about and, and talking about with other stakeholders around the country. Um, so I'm excited that it'll be happening hopefully here in Minnesota in a Minnesota specific context. Thank you, thank you both. Um, that is just a really complex issue and I know that there's a lot more to come in that space. So for now, let's move on to talk about further strategies for building decarbonization as we kind of touched on here. And Justin, as you said, prior to repeat what you said, the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency has released the state's latest greenhouse gas emissions inventory and the report found that buildings, residential and commercial are the fastest growing source of emissions in Minnesota. Michael, what can we do about this? So uh, the energy code, uh, the Minnesota Building Energy Code is uh, kind of a bedrock public policy for making sure that new construction is as efficient as it can be. And uh, Fresh Energy's worked on the uh, energy code its entire 30 year history. Uh, but um, this uh, piece of legislation going through the legislature right now, uh, shows uh, real momentum and real progress and real possibility of becoming law in uh, 2021. Uh, essentially, uh, improving the way uh, energy codes are done for the commercial buildings. Now, I'll admit that residential energy codes are about 90% of the uh, teeth gnashing and um, political problems, uh, but the commercial energy code has been um, usually agreeable and uh, progress is readily made. And uh, this piece of legislation is going to speed up progress, uh, raise ambition, and uh, make uh, the commercial energy code making um, much more systematic and prompt as the technology evolves, the code is gonna keep up. And um, the, uh, the uh, sleeper news is that uh, commercial buildings will be carbon free uh, in about uh, 15 years if this comes law. All, all commercial buildings, all new construction commercial buildings would be carbon free in about 15 years. It's uh, 
it's a really it's a really it's a it's another game changer and i think uh a lot of credit is due to uh the minnesota department of labor and industry uh which is uh, a state agency that uh, maybe doesn't uh, get a lot of airplay uh, in, in the energy realm, but um, is a really, uh, uh, plays a number of really important functions. Um, and in this instance, uh, uh, they're, um, uh, and they're, uh, go by DALI is the acronym. Let's try to avoid acronyms in this conversation though. Um, uh, the labor and industry is responsible for uh, the building code uh, in Minnesota. And um, uh, have to give the staff there, uh, as well as uh, their colleagues at the Minnesota Department of Commerce, um, a lot of credit for um, really digging in over the past uh, 18 months or so and um, uh, facilitating a lot of uh, robust dialogue back and forth between um, the, uh, uh, the stakeholders here, folks in the clean energy community, community um, and uh, labor unions and business. Um, uh, and that's, uh, uh, it's really hard work, you know, that, that stakeholder, uh, those stakeholder conversations when folks have um, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, maybe not opposed, but uh, you know, just are, are prioritizing uh, the work differently and outcomes differently. How do you thread that needle? And um, it doesn't get a lot of attention. Uh, it's not a big splashy, it's not big splashy work that uh, ends up above the fold in the Star Tribune. But uh, in this instance, it's resulted in a really um, thoughtful, um, frankly, consensus policy position that uh, that's moving at the legislature and um, through four hearings has had nobody testify in opposition, which is great. Well, it's above the fold here at Fresh Energy, which is why we're talking about it today. So lots to do there, just tons of progress to be made and in as, as it's happening. Um, so as we alluded to when we kicked off this podcast, Fresh Energy is also, among all the other things that we're doing, working to ensure that clean energy can play a role in community recovery. Anna, can you talk a little bit about the Rebuild Right grant program and what exactly it entails. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Um, so as we are all well aware of, um, in you know, the end of May, early June, when we were all suffering from the health and economic impacts of COVID-19, of the COVID-19 pandemic, especially um, our BIPOC neighbors and communities disproportionately suffering from that. Um, communities in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and just across the state and country and world, as we saw, uh, suffered the additional trauma and distress from the killing of George Floyd at the hands of police uh, and everything that unfolded in the wake of that horrific moment. Um, and in Minneapolis and St. Paul and elsewhere, there were, uh, there was a lot of, there's some civil unrest and a lot of small businesses and some multifamily residential buildings and uh, some public property homes were damaged uh, as a result. And uh, in terms of businesses, a huge percentage of them were owned by BIPOC folks or and or immigrants. Um, so in a lot of these businesses were already suffering from, you know, lower income from the, from the COVID-19 pandemic. So um, there's, there's a lot of destruction um, and sort of limited resources available to rebuild uh, after those events. So Fresh Energy has been working on a, a bill called Rebuild Right uh, that would provide tools to rebuild in a way 
uh, in those areas that were hit really hard to reduce utility bills, improve public health outcomes, and create jobs and, and long-term economic development um, in the wake of that damage. Uh, the bill includes funds to allow uh, energy efficiency improvements and um, other energy improvements to, to those buildings that are being rebuilt. And this is really important because funds were already limited. So this provides an additional sort of resource to make sure that um, places are being rebuilt above the, the baseline. We're talking about building codes above the baseline floor. We're, we're rebuilding them in a way that um, is beneficial to, homo to the own building owners and, and to the businesses long-term. Thank um, you, Anna. Yeah. Definitely, sorry. And and as of now, the, the bill's included in Re Representative Long's uh, energy omnibus bill, and we're hoping that there can be some bipartisan agreement uh, through the end of the session. Excellent, thank you. Um, so let's pivot to talk about 100% carbon-free electricity. I know this is a top priority for fresh energy. Justin, do you wanna take a first swing at this? Yeah, well, I uh, right off the bat, uh, this is this really has been a, a top priority for fresh energy for uh, a, a number of years now. Um, Minnesota uh, was once upon a time a national leader. Uh, when we adopted the renewable energy standard back in 2007, that um, said we were going to get 25% of our electricity from uh, renewables by 2025, and Excel would go even faster than that, and um, and. Uh, it worked. It was a it, every utility has has met has met their goal, and uh, it's been a net boon to Minnesota's economy, and uh, it's been a wild success story that's been emulated and now surpassed um, throughout the country. And uh, the question uh, in front of uh, the state, in front of our legislature and our governor and our state agencies and our energy stakeholders, is what's next. Um, we've, you know, the, this is, this is how, how it works, right? You set goals, you reach them, and then you set new goals. And, um, you know, our, uh, advocacy has been really focused the last couple of years on how do we figuring out, how do we build on the record of success that we have, um, continue cleaning up the grid and, uh, send the market signal, uh, to the industry and to our utilities that, um, this is going to be a great place to do business for clean energy, that we're going to have a political and regulatory environment that is uh, that works um, for those businesses and uh, folks who want to make those investments in Minnesota. And so that's really what this issue is all about. Um, I want to give a, a lot of credit to uh, two folks in particular that have been real leaders alongside Fresh Energy and um, driving this conversation forward. Um, first, of course, is uh, Governor Tim Walls, uh, who for the second uh, uh, second time, um, uh, second budget cycle in a row included 100% uh, carbon-free electricity standard as uh, part of his signature uh, clean energy package called the One Minnesota Path to Clean Energy. Um, uh, and the second uh, is the 100% campaign, uh, which Fresh Energy is a, a member. Um, uh, Michael uh, participates in the steering committee of, of that and uh, particularly want to uh, shout out a good friend of Fresh Energy, uh, Chris Conry, uh, who's the campaign uh, manager uh, for that effort and has uh, done a, a terrific job building a coalition of 
a really broad-based set of stakeholders that um, includes a lot of folks that have traditionally been not been included in energy conversations. And I think that's been a, a really important um, step forward, not just uh, on the policy front, but in terms of how we as an advocacy community um, uh, engage with these, uh, this issue and, and think about um, how these decisions are made and how, how policies are written. Um, Michael, do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the particulars of, of this year's proposal and um, um, why it's just, gosh, so much better than uh, even where we were a couple of years ago? Yeah, you know, this is uh, kind of a flagship issue for fresh energy. As you mentioned, uh, we have a big community of allies in business and labor and advocacy and um, equity and justice groups who are all aligned behind 100% clean electricity. Uh, carbon-free electricity supply. And um, I'm glad you uh, gave a shout out to the governor and to uh, our chief author in, in the House of Representatives, uh, uh, Chair Jamie Long and uh, ranking member on the Energy Committee in, in the Senate, Senator Nick Frentz of Mankato. Uh, but uh, this, this subject is moving. I don't know if it's gonna be getting to the governor's desk to become law in 2021, but the debate is moving, the debate is evolving. The utilities know this is where it's headed. The utilities know this is uh, inevitable and required and necessary and the way the world actually is now. So it's just a question of how and when and at what pace. And I wanna credit uh, uh, all of those political leaders who I, just named uh, by coming together and uh, first of all, moving the, the goalpost up from 2050 carbon-free electric supply to 2040. And even more important in my mind is creating a benchmark uh, hurdle that you had to clear by 2030. Uh, it's a lot more important what we accomplish in the next five years or the next seven years or next nine years than it is what we accomplish out 30 years from now. So. They both moved up the, the deadline and they put in an 80% by 2030 benchmark. Um, this is a, 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 a technology neutral uh, policy. So this could allow um, you know, wind and solar and batteries and hydro and um, existing nuclear power or other uh, carbon free supply. And um, the important thing is that it's uh, driving the debate, not just here in Minnesota, but everywhere in America. And I think a little later in the program, we're gonna talk about the uh, national 100% um, carbon-free standard being debated in the United States Congress. Uh, well, that's, that's just great, Michael. And uh, I just wanted to jump in here for uh, folks listening at home, uh, since you uh, 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 smartly name dropped uh, the, the great leaders that we have at the legislature, uh, Chair Long and uh, Representative Frentz. I uh, just Senator wanted to Frentz. take- uh, Senator Frentz. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Senator. I mean to, did not mean to I, I demote know. you. I, um, knew I, I knew I had to intervene there, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Joe's going to get some work with that uh, bleep button later. That's those are fighting words. Um, uh, uh, wanted to just remind uh, listeners that uh, we actually were fortunate to have uh, Chair Long and Senator Friends uh, as guests on this podcast uh, earlier uh, this this session. Uh, if you look in your uh, your whichever app you might be using to to listen to to this podcast uh, back in January. 
um, we had a conversation with uh, those two folks and they, they talked at some length about uh, their work on the 100% clean uh, carbon-free standard and, and, and sort of their, their long-term goals and strategies. And uh, it's definitely worth, uh, even though we're now towards the end of the session, it's definitely worth uh, going back and giving that a listen. And geez, talk about two gentlemen who have like great banter between them. Uh, that was a really fun podcast to record. And I'm glad that you boosted it because I think it's still a really important topic. Um, so now I want to move on to something that I feel like we've been talking about for years. And Justin, uh, we actually have actually. <laughs> Clean Cars Minnesota, uh, MPCA is in the midst of their rulemaking process, which the governor ordered way back in 2019, which was delayed due to COVID-19. Um, thousands and thousands of Minnesotans participated in the rulemaking process. In fact, just to toot our own horn, about 745 used our platform to comment on the rulemaking process. Um, however, there are discussions about Clean Cars Minnesota and the role of the MPCA surfacing at the Minnesota legislature for the second year in a row. What is up and why are they meddling? Justin. <laughs> what, what, politicians meddling? I, that doesn't that doesn't sound right, Joe. No, I I uh, I, I appreciate the uh, uh, the question, and um, just at the at the outset, uh, it it would be hard to oversell just how long we've been working on this. Um, you know, Clean Cars Minnesota as a as a, a branded proposal is is a couple of years old. Um, but uh, fun little fresh energy trivia. Um, first time I ever got to work collaboratively on something with Michael um, was Clean Cars legislation. Um, and that was uh, way back in, uh, uh, well, we won't say the year, I, I, I will just say it was not the current decade or the previous decade, it was um, longer ago than that. Um, and uh, uh, it, this has been a subject of, of, of conversation uh, at, in, in state government in Minnesota for a very long time, um, because it is just the right thing to do, um, but it is complicated uh, and um, has a, a tendency to get interwoven with um, a lot of other, um, what I guess what I would call tangentially related um, political considerations um, around, uh, you know, various uh, choices that policymakers have for for fueling and powering transportation, um, for uh, and and for how uh, how uh, within the state how how a policy like this is implemented um, from uh, the perspective of dealers and manufacturers and consumers. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, Clean Cars Minnesota was announced uh, as a proposal by Governor Walls uh, in September of 2019. Um, and since then, the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, uh, which is by federal law, the designated lead um, for Minnesota agency uh, under the Clean Air Act, has been uh, engaged in a public rulemaking process um, that has featured um, a significant number of public meetings, um, two separate, very robust public comment periods that thousands of Minnesotans have participated in, in both cases. Um, and we're nearing the end of that process. Um, and any time you have a, a multi-year effort um, that, that starts getting close to uh, a successful outcome, um, folks come out of the woodwork uh, and you become a target. And that really is what's happening here. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, the context and the broader context for what's happening in Minnesota is um, a sea change that's happening uh, throughout um, America and throughout the, uh, the auto industry, where we have companies like Gen uh, General Motors, um, you know, committing 
dozens of new EV models that they're going to be rolling off the assembly line in the next three to five years. Um, major commitments from states and other countries around, um, you know, very, very aggressive sector-wide uh, decarbonization uh, in the coming decades. Um, and it's just become very obvious uh, what direction this is going. And what you see at the legislature um, when, uh, 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 we'll use your word, meddling begins to happen is that that really isn't anything more than the, the, the dying throes of, uh, of the petroleum industry, to be candid. Um, and uh, I think we should expect that that will continue, um, that there are um, a, lot of, a lot of entrenched interests um, that uh, uh, are, are threatened by um, a state like Minnesota, a Midwestern state, a cold climate state, um, taking an action like this. And uh, it uh, is that much more important that um, supporters of, of climate action, of clean transportation, of, um, of uh, you know, uh, pollution and, and, and public health and, and public health equity, um, uh, really dig in and pull this across the finish line. Uh, and that includes um, sending a message to uh, folks in the Minnesota legislature that uh, pollution control agency needs to do its job. Um, you know, Joe, you've, you've been a great leader at Fresh Energy uh, in helping us think about how we do our advocacy better. And there's actually a, a new tool that we have that we're going to be uh, rolling out uh, 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 probably before you've listened to this podcast, for those of you listening at home. Um, uh, and it's uh, a new platform for uh, uh, engaging digitally with your, with your lawmakers uh, on the Fresh Energy website. And uh, from time to time in your email boxes, you'll get opportunities to, do, um, to take action and send messages uh, directly um, to your uh, state senator, state house rep, and sometimes uh, the governor uh, on matters of critical importance uh, for energy and, and climate. And the, the first one of those uh, is going live on our website uh, on Clean Cars Minnesota and making sure that um, folks, particularly in the legislature, uh, hear from um, folks like Fresh Energy members uh, that uh, that this is important, that um, the legislature needs to allow our um, scientists and, and experts to do their job. Um, and I uh, encourage you uh, folks listening at home, uh, visit the Fresh Energy website. That's uh, fresh-energy.org. Um, and right there on our blog, you'll see a, a session update uh, newsletter with a, a link to the take action opportunity. Um, I encourage you all to click through when you hear this. Thank you, Justin. Um, we could use all the shameless plugs we can for that tool because I think it's a really great entry point um, for people to connect with their legislators on clean energy. And what's wonderful is we have to have a tool like this because more and more people want to talk about clean energy, clean cars, things like that. And I'm really happy that Fresh Energy can be here to help people do that. Um, Joe, yeah. Joe, just to make sure, did I get the website right? It's uh, it's fresh. What, what was it again? I think there's a dash. So it's fresh. Fresh, fresh dash, dash energy.org. Okay. And if you want a shortcut to the take action section where we actually have a couple opportunities in addition to clean cars, but you should prioritize clean cars. Uh, it's fresh-energy.org slash take dash action. So it's always there. There's always new stuff posted, as well as tips to kind of decarbonize your home as well. So I know all of you and many, 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 many Fresh Energy staff members have been running nonstop to Zoom committee meetings to provide oral and written testimony. 
literally dozens of times this session. We've been advocating for many bills that are good for clean energy and even beyond like what we discussed today. We can't talk about them all just because there's not enough time. Um, but there's also been hundreds of hours dedicated to defense on bills that would move Minnesota backwards, something we just really can't afford. Before we close the podcast though, I wanna zoom out of Minnesota and talk about what the three of you are most excited about in the White House's American Jobs Plan. So I'm gonna jump in here first, actually I'm cutting the line, and I want to say we're all really big cheerleaders for the clean electricity standard. And in fact, we hosted a webinar last week with Senator Tina Smith, it's up on the website. She was joined by Paul Douglas and some other fresh energy guests to discuss that very issue, the clean electricity standard. Michael, do you want to start the conversation by talking about what CES is, and then we can go from there with other things that folks are excited about? Well, for me, uh, the thrilling thing is that uh, President Biden has put a, cl a clean electricity standard in his infrastructure bill. Again, uh, he calls it the American Jobs Plan, but in all candor, this is the infrastructure bill, this is the energy bill, this is the transportation bill, this is the climate bill. You know, it's possible they'll break it, these into two bills or two discussions, but for now, uh, when you hear the phrase America Jaws plan, think climate, think energy, think transportation, think infrastructure. And uh, I, I love how the uh, administration is laying out the argument that the uh, infrastructure of 1950s maybe was the interstate uh, highway system, but the inter uh, the infrastructure of the 2020s and the 2030s and the 2040s is including the electric grid, including broadband, including how we care for an aging population, uh, including uh, uh, telecommunications. And uh, I really believe that the president and uh, the folks who work for him understand that a carbon-free American electric grid is the backbone of our economic future. And um, I'm just flattered and delighted and thrilled that United States Senator Tina Smith from Minnesota is the chief author of that provision and that it's part of the president's bill. So uh, we've already talked about this at some length on this podcast. It's essentially the exact same policy that we're advancing, except for President Biden is calling for 100% carbon-free electricity supply by uh, 2035. And again, 80% carbon-free electric supply by uh, 2030. And again, that's not just in these, you know, the the green and um, windy states of uh, of um, well, green in California, New York, and windy in Kansas. Uh, but this is 100% carbon-free ev everywhere in America, you know, including you know Alaska and Oklahoma and Alabama and Tennessee and South Carolina. So and West Virginia, where uh, U.S. Senator Joe Manchin uh, is chair of the Energy Committee. So there's a lot of negotiations, and I know the president wants this to be partisan, a bipartisan vote, if there's a possibility of 10 United States senators that would come along. But I think he's also signaled really clearly that that's not going to stop him from making progress if uh, they have to do it through budget reconciliation, as they did with the American Res Rescue Plan. So a long way of saying um, the biggest climate and energy bill in my life is now being debated in the United States Congress, and I'm thrilled about it. So um, 
lots of uh, amazing things in the bill. And uh, I guess we'll have a blog, blog post coming up in the next few days uh, just to outline some of Fresh Energy's favorite provisions. Thank you, Michael. Justin, do you have any thoughts or anything that you'd like to add? Yeah, well, I think Michael hit an awful lot of high points. It's hard to take a lot of issue with uh, um, the importance of the uh, everything that he talked about. But I would just, I would, I'll add one thing, um, which is, you know, I think uh, as we think about um, more broadly about economic recovery and um, where the opportunities and needs might be uh, in Minnesota and in particular communities in Minnesota, such as uh, community, you know, our, our BIPOC communities, under-resourced uh, communities around the state, um, you know, communities recovering from, uh, you know, the, the killing of George Floyd and, and, and civil unrest from last summer, spring and summer, um, uh, rural communities that are uh, struggling with job loss. Um, I think uh, uh, there are there is a unique, perhaps once in a generation, opportunity here um, to leverage uh, an influx of resources and use it um, really carefully and strategically to um, uh, uh, address some of those just like chronic and systemic disparities that we see uh, throughout our state, and um, hopefully uh, supercharge some of the work that we've already been starting and trying to do here in Minnesota. Uh, you know, Anna talked earlier about uh, the Rebuild Right proposal. I think that's, you know, we're really proud of that, but that is a, it's a pretty, it's pretty modest of a proposal when you compare it against the scope of, you know, the economic reality of, of what a lot of folks in these communities are facing. And um, the federal government has the wherewithal and the resources uh, to, to, to really address those problems. And what we're, uh, uh, I, what I'm hopeful for is that this this is a moment in time where the political uh, uh, capital and, and, and resources finally match um, the financial uh, and legal resources and um, um, encouraged by what, what I've seen so far from the, the Biden administration and, and I'm hopeful that uh, we can, you know, that can turn into real results for folks. Yeah, I think I'll build off of that, Justin. Um, you know, when we look back at, at past huge investments in infrastructure from the federal government, um, we now we know that not only did they, in the case of excluding people and President Roosevelt's New Deal, um, BIPOC folks were left out of opportunities for all of the thousands and thousands of jobs that were created uh, through that program. But you know, in the case of Eisenhower's highway expansions, there was really active harm to a lot of communities and uh, specifically black communities were um, targeted in, in citing highways um, and, and taking a lot of wealth away from uh, black communities, homeowners, business owners. So I'm hoping and uh, expecting that, that the federal government's going to do much, much better this time. Um, and I appreciate that the, the Biden plan has a requirement that 40% 40 40 of funds be spent in under-resourced communities. And um, I hope and expect that there will be a lot of scrutiny and accountability around that goal and, and making sure that, that uh, that's seen through. So, so well put. Thank you, Anna. And I just love the use of the word expect that just feels right, um, especially at this moment. Um, Michael, I know you have some thoughts about 
Biden's team. Do you want to talk a little bit about who he's called up to bat or whatever appropriate sports analogy works here? Yeah, you know, if uh, if it was a baseball game, you'd want to have a program to tell all the players. And there's a lot of incredible players uh, on the field. uh, and I'm just going to avoid dropping names because there's just too many people that that Fresh Energy knows well, that know Fresh Energy, that we know are passionate about uh, equity and justice and standards and decarbonization. Really, really deeply talented, brilliant people who's who may not be on your radar screen. But, you know, the highest level folks, you know, like John Kerry on international negotiations and um, Governor Granholm at the Department of Energy and uh, Pete Buttigieg at uh, transportation and uh, uh, Gina McCarthy in the White House. Those names are, 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 a lot of those are household names, but there's really, really a deep bench all the way down, a dozens of amazing talented people. And if I just get to call out one amazingly talented people, uh, a friend of Fresh Energy for almost 30 years is Cecilia Martinez. And she's a top player in the uh, White House uh, Council on Environmental Quality and really is a, a, a very influential voice in the Biden administration for energy justice, environmental justice, and um, truly deeply represents uh, the constituencies that have been um, left behind authentically and truly deeply represents these voices uh, her entire professional life and uh, her little nonprofit that she uh, started, the Center for Earth, uh, uh, Energy and Democracy as the Minneapolis address and everybody who lives in Minnesota should be proud to see her elevated by President Biden to lead on environmental justice. So to keep with the sports analogy, if we were to like make promotional t-shirts or jerseys, they'd all say Martinez on the back because we're her biggest fans. All right, (laughs) lots to digest here. Probably a lot more to come at both the federal and the state levels in the coming weeks and months. So stay tuned to Fresh Energy's website. Thank you to the three of you, Michael, Justin, and Anna, for giving our listeners some insight into what's happening at the legislature and also at the federal level. So thank you guys. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Uh, Thanks, Joe. (laughs) Thanks, Michael and Justin. It was fun to chat. Uh, I love doing it. Thanks for uh, having us. Well, thank you everyone listening for joining us. If you're hungry for more or want to get involved, visit that website that we've been saying so much, fresh-energy.org. There you can tune in to the webinar we mentioned with Senator Tina Smith. You can also send an email to your legislators about Clean Cars Minnesota. You can also register for upcoming events. And I tell you, we've got a lot. There's also a whole bunch more you can do on the website, so I highly recommend that you visit it. I'd also like to remind you that you can also support Fresh Energy's work by making a donation there. Surprise, again, it's all on the website. Just click donate in the upper right corner of your screen when you go there. Uh, Thank you for listening. And before we close, I just wanna say that we are all, the whole Fresh Energy team, everyone here in Minnesota and around the country, we're anxiously awaiting the outcome and unfolding of really, really important moments in 2021, moments of change and restoration and and hope, we're hopeful. Um, Fresh Energy stands with you as we all envision a better world.